a field. Nothing more, nothing less. Trees to the south, ancient and gracefully swaying in the wind. This field was once a meadow, but has now been sown with grass. Green stretches across the earth. The gentle curve of the rolling hills rolls onwards. The horizon sits against this curve. Clouds peek over the hills, the blades of grass tickling the shreds of vapour. The earth below is unchanging. The first foot of ground is loose, having recently been ploughed. Rocks lie about the field like paws in a giant's face, but underneath... Underneath the loose ground is earth, still cold and permanent. The deeper you go, the older it gets. The greatest chronicle of this world. The story of time itself, and we walk upon it. Thunder booms in a far-off land, but the sky is clear. The early morning is still cold. The wind is biting and catches some dead leaves and hurls them through the air. They cascade and soar and fall. The leaves fly through the air, ranging far into the sky. A network of fields cover this once forested land. One square after the next, endless and uniform. A metal bird roars past, leaving grey trails in its wake. The land rises and falls. It breathes. A dog shits in a nearby car park, and Gary has to pick it up in a plastic bag while Terry tries to eat it. snow crumbles underfoot and falls away, revealing a hundred metres of air and the sharp rocks below. Not a chance of survival. Quintin Andromedus, famous explorer, mountaineer, athlete and gentleman, was now falling to his untimely death. He disappeared through the snow like it was intentional. One second he was there and the next gone. He could give magicians a run for their money. I think it ruins it a little bit that his last words will forever be, see, this ground is perfectly stable. Four days into a hike up the untamed Mount Gradbury on the East Shropshire coast, and this happens. I suppose he'd want me to tell you all that he got eaten by a bear or a snow leopard or froze to death in the night. But you know what? I don't really care. As my companions rushed around in panic, searching for rope or something to avoid the idea that the expedition lead had just died, I just stood there smiling. The howling wind deafened any real screams. You know, I felt nothing but relief. Having so sneakily loosened the bolts in his ice picks, Having cut the ties in his crampons, I was certain his death would be by my hand. The repercussions hung over me like a dagger. 
but that all melted away, like ice in the summer sun. Anyway, I'm going to carry on walking. Time to plant my flag. A young woman sits in the shower. The room has fogged up, so all shapes are hazy and blurred. She sits in the corner with her legs tucked up against her chest. She's been there for about 20 minutes, thinking about how nothing makes her happy anymore. A cool jet of air whips into the room and disturbs the floating fog clouds. The room spins in a strange light grey spiral. She's thinking about the quote from the film Blade Runner, something about tears in rain. She can't remember. Her hair lies heavy against her back, weighing her down. All traces of shampoo are now washed down the drain. Through the window, the sky is a brilliant blue. The grass is blindingly green. You can hear children playing in the distance and the incessant warbling of the local songbirds. This moment hangs like the silence between a ticking clock. Time slows as the moment drags on. She stares straight down into the drain. A whirlpool is formed and all the water glugs down, bubbling and spitting. Her face sinks as fresh clumps of hair slide across the shower floor and clog the drain. I've been here for weeks and there's no sight of it. The blue tiger is what the locals call it. But all I saw was the cash I could make from flogging it to some twat on Wall Street as a ruck. The strings in my bow are wound so loose from lack of use they might as well fall off. The thing I can't stand is the heat. I'm used to the Russian mountains or dense alpine woodland. Not this. Jungles suck. I'm sweating my nuts off, and I ran out of mosquito repellent weeks ago. I look like the lunar landscape with all these bites. They don't tell you how wet it is, too. Hot and wet isn't bad for a while, but imagine spending 18 hours a day in a warm shower, only to have to fucking sleep in it. I'll check the GPS again. Yep, still the right place. You know, I always thought that the blue tiger wasn't real. It wasn't until I saw the Instagram posts about sightings in the area. So I decided to stay for a while. Won't be long, they said. She'll show up soon, they said. You're fucking right. Give up. Tiger, if you're watching me, just eat me now. Consume my body and shit it out of your nice, tight, blue arsehole. Come to think of it... Is it shit blue? Part of me wishes some dickhead just spray-painted the tiger. Poor bastard. Okay. This rain is driving me mad. If you're gonna hit the tent, you might as well just land on my, on my head. It's not like it's waterproof anyway. Fucking outdoor warehouse. Okay, good night everyone. Bye. Okay, bye. good night. Bye. Night, bye. night guys. Bye. Uh, talk to bye. you soon. Bye.
Everyone leans forward and the call ends. Erica, James and Matilde all sit for a moment, all looking at their now inactive screens. Erico, with a burst of energy, stands up and skips to the toilet. The door slams and you hear his wife call out to him. It's muffled by the closed door. James leans forward and begins to type. He's straight over to Facebook to check the group chat that's been buzzing in his pocket for the last hour. Although he doesn't know it, the fear of missing out, even in a group chat, has become quite important to him these days. He spends all day inside, so what else has he to interact with? His eyes are heavy. He looks tired. His posture is poor, and he leans too close to the screen. The LEDs pick up the pores in his static dead face. Erico finishes and runs downstairs. Just finished the call, he shouts. His feet thud down the stairs. When downstairs, his voice echoes up to the room. God, those guys are a drag. <laughs> Matilde hasn't moved either. She sits with her fingers still on the mouse. She never left the call. She lingers in the space where her friends once were. Looking at only herself now, she's alone. Their last words bounce off the walls of the room, repeating in her head. She stares blankly, looking through the screen. After a few minutes, she zones back in, realising how weird it would look if anyone was watching. Not that they were. She leaves the call, takes off her headphones and stretches. Tasha the cat hops up onto her lap out of nowhere. She purrs loudly and starts to softly claw Matilde's jeans. Cats are great, she thought, as she strokes Tasha's head, fur now covering her hands and trousers. Faustian Nonsense is a podcast network, an artist commune, and an incubator for creative projects. If you love what we do, consider supporting FN by joining our Patreon, where you can receive cute network pet pictures, behind-the-scenes content, or even access to a library of assets to use in your own projects. Without your support, the world of audio fiction will be overrun by corporate media, drowning out indie creators. We need your help now more than ever. Visit patreon.com slash Faustian Nonsense to become a patron.